And once again, Nick is just spewing misinformation <laughs> with no actual idea whether it's true or not. He rolled his ankle, all right? Let's simmer down a little bit. You know, he's getting carried by his lineman. <laughs> Throws a game-winning touchdown, limps off the field. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. That's what I do, Garrett. Okay. Welcome back into the lounge, post by lounge. I feel refreshed. I feel relaxed. I feel like I got a whole new sense of energy. It's nice. You still look just as pasty as ever. Well, that's true. I didn't go anywhere warm. Yeah. Well, it was pretty warm out this weekend. It was nice. It was very nice. It was maybe one of the nicer weather weekends we've had. Yeah. Well, I'm Ryan Mink. And I'm Garrett Downing, still pasty as ever. <laughs> <laughs> and why don't you uh, read a little review for us, Garrett? Yeah, we'll always, you know, what we like to do is we read reviews or we read emails that you guys send to us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. This one is a review from iTunes. We're getting close to that 100, the century mark. We need to hit that. One way to make sure that you get your review read is uh, by making the headline of the review, making Garrett should read this. So you <laughs> asked and I will uh, answer that. The review from Seth 9000 is diehard Ravens member living in Nebraska, basically overseas. Shout out Ropewalk. I'm guessing he's a fan of Ropewalk and Fed Hill. I know nothing about it. Uh, I'm sure I've you never don't. drank at a bar ever. Yeah. Love the show. Love the player guests. Waiting patiently for Flacco to come on for his podcast bump. Needs to happen yes, at some point. Agree my, with that. My favorite part of this email from Seth says, "Keep it up, and for the love of Oz, someone please turn down Ryan's laughing gas." What's that even mean? Yeah, you wanted to laugh at that comment, <laughs> but you were trying not to, <laughs> just because he was insulting you. Look here, Seth. Look here, Seth. All right, four-game losing streak feels like forever since the Ravens won a game. I'm trying to keep things light. All right, Seth. Sorry for laughing, bud. I'm, I'm a positive guy. I'm on Seth's bandwagon because when I go through and edit this podcast, the, the ringing of your laughter is just in my ears for the rest of the day. Live, laugh, love. That's what I do, Garrett. Okay. <laughs> How was your bye? It was excellent. Got a little family time. I did not watch a single snap of football. I needed to detox completely from NFL football. I get that. I did watch a little bit of NFL football. I more watched college football. I went to the Ohio State game in Columbus with my family, which was a great time. I heard they almost lost. It was a little close for comfort there in the second half, but... You're lucky you don't have Maryland on the schedule. They do have Maryland on the schedule. They play Maryland in uh, two weeks. Oh, that's an L. Way to know the schedule for your alma mater. (laughs) That's an L. Yeah. That's an L. Way to stay on top of your college football knowledge. This This is just an indication of how Mink throws out... Facts and information. Just no, spew just, something out there, has no idea whether it's true or not. Most likely it's not true. Then gets called on it, tries to quickly pivot onto something else. It's like Trump. The act. It's like Trump. It's, more, it's more of an indication of how big a Maryland uh, fan I am these days. Caught in the act. I'm more of a fan of Maryland field hockey, six-time defending national champions. Way better than Ohio State. Who's your State. favorite player? Uh, you gotta be, if you're going to talk, talk about how you're a big fan Lindsay of something. Lindsay Toronto. Really? She's on the team right now? Mm-hmm. No, she's not. Look it up. Okay. We'll do that after the show. <laughs> you have no idea. Guarantee she's on the team. And once again, Mick is just spewing misinformation <laughs> with no actual idea whether it's true or not. <laughs> I, I did watch a little World Series. Uh, I watched a couple innings. And I'm, I don't like that the Indians right now are up 3-2 in this series. Because there's no better narrative in sports than Cleveland being an awful, awful city, sports city. And just being the lovable losers. 
not so lovable losers uh, in your case. But, you know, the, 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 what's it called? The Cavs already won. Yeah. You don't need another championship in Cleveland. They got one, Cle- all right? The storyline's already awash. A Cleveland's title town. The great state of Ohio is title town. Ohio State's won oh, the national God. championship in the past couple of years. The Cavs broke the streak in Cleveland. They got a championship, and I'm fully confident that the Cleveland Indians will get the job done and beat the Cubs this weekend. This week. All right, so do you feel better or worse about the Ravens after the bye? You yeah, say I'm you're just, so refreshed. I am refreshed. I'm talking about championships. Uh, about the Ravens? Uh, yeah, we're talking about the Ravens. Okay. Hey, I thought we were going to do it Cleveland Indians-centric no. podcast no. here. I would say I feel probably better. I think when you get away, there's probably something to be said for that, and there you can kind of decompress and take a step back and think about how everything's gone, and you're not as caught up in the fact that it's a four-game losing streak. It was a pretty sour mood around here. I would say, at the end of that game last week and then the first couple of days of before going into the bye. So I think I feel better. I would agree with that. And I think that you come out of it and you look in the schedule and you say, all right, the Steelers are coming to M&T Bank Stadium. First place is on the line in the AFC North and a very depressed AFC North so far this year. That makes you excited, I think, about Ravens football. You're getting a lot of players, I think, back on the field. You know, there's a lot of hope coming out of this bye, I think. And that's what puts a lot of pressure on this game. I think this is a massive game for the Ravens. Uh, if, If you come out and you get your pieces back together and you still can't put it together offensively, if you don't play well at home against your arch rival and you fall into third place in the AFC North by a, a game behind or two games behind the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, if things Ravens, would be bad. If the Ravens lose this game, it's a deflating loss because Very you a five game losing streak. You have the bye, like you said, you have all these guys getting back healthy. This is it's a huge game. It's a massive game, and I do. I, I agree with you. I feel better for all the reasons that you mentioned, and the fact that you look at it and you can kind of see. All right, this is, there's an opportunity here for the Ravens to turn it around. I think that's the main reason why you feel a little bit better about it because I think that the Ravens, as you look at it, let's look at the path to the playoffs and whether that can happen. Okay. And I think that it's a realistic opportunity for the Ravens to get there if they can turn it around starting this week. If they lose to the Steelers, you know, obviously statistically it's not done, but it's going to be really difficult for them to right, eventually. Two games back of the Steelers, and you have to go to Pittsburgh. Week 16. Right. So and, you lost to them at home. It's not going to be any easier on the road. Plus, if they have Ben back then, which they might not this Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you good. have both games against the Bengals. You have a, a game against the Patriots. You have a game against the Eagles. A game against the Cowboys in the second half of the yeah. season. So right. really You've tough schedule. Lost, lost to the two, worst, the two worst teams in the NFC East. You have the two top teams yeah. still to come. So, But with all that said... I feel like there's definitely still a path to get to the playoffs, and there's one path, and you got to win the division. Yeah, and so I think that you know the Bengals have had the Ravens number in recent years, but the Bengals are they're down a little. They're bit down sure. for sure. Now they did get Eifert back on the field. That makes a big difference for them. They put up 27 points against the Redskins, but their defense has not been particularly good this year. Um, so I think the Bengals are beatable, even though they've they've had the Ravens number recently. And once again, it's going to come down to. Can he beat the Steelers and the Bengals? That's what it's going to come down to. And I, I think the Ravens can do that. The Ravens have won five out of the last six against the Steelers. You want to talk about having somebody's number. Yeah. The Ravens have had it. I think they've figured out the formula. Even if Ben's on the field, I think that they've, they've controlled Ben uh, in years past when he's had a lot of weapons, just like he does this year. So 
Um, I think it should be a very good game on Sunday. Well, we talked about it on Scripted last week. I think 9-7 and seven probably gets you the AFC North crown. It might. It, I, it very well could. You know, 9-7 it, it, could Gosh. get a job, and that's probably, be a crazy. It's probably a tiebreak situation where you have a couple of teams sitting there at 9-7. Um, I mean, I think it depends. That depends on how soon Ben gets back. How many more games does he miss? Does he get injured again? I mean, he, Ben could always get injured at any time. So, uh, and they're obviously not the same team without him. But I don't think that two teams from the North are coming out. And no, going to the playoffs. I look at the West. I mean, look here's. I'm looking at the standings right here. Broncos and Raiders are both six and two. The Chiefs are five and two. So you're probably going right. to have at least two, very likely three teams coming out of the West. And by the way, that Oakland loss, one-point loss to them in week four, doesn't look so bad, does it? Very true. Ten yards away. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I was Oakland watching. has won so many close games this year. It's unreal. Yeah. They've also won all five of their games on the road, which is tough, particularly for a West Coast team. They're just they're a good team. Yeah, they're, they can put it up offensively. But the, the West, I will throw this out there. Right now they look great. They haven't played each other a lot. They're still going to be some – they're going to knock each other down a peg or two. But, you, you know, but I do think the West, those are three very strong teams. You know, it's funny. When I was watching football, I know you said you didn't watch any football over the bye, NFL football, but I did. And when I was watching it, I kind of felt two things. One, you know, I'm watching the Bengals and the Redskins game, and you're watching these teams kind of march up and down the field at certain points of the game. And you're saying, like, where is that offense for the Ravens? Like, where is that kind of I think people playmaking have been, ability? People in Baltimore have been saying that for the past decade. Sure. Well, two decades. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm watching it, and I'm like, why can't, oh, like a lot of fans, why can't the Ravens do that? Why can't the Ravens do that? I'm watching the Cowboys game, you think those things. Um, but then at the same time, I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, okay, so this game against the Redskins, Washington looks pretty good. Kirk Cousins looks pretty good in this game, and the Ravens really did a good job of holding them at bay. If C.J. Mosley holds on to that interception and crosses the end zone, Ravens win that game. Yep. Then I'm looking there at the Oakland game, and the Ravens had that. They had that one, and then there was a late drive by Oakland. And if they just get, if the Ravens get maybe ten to fifteen more yards on that final drive, Tucker probably boots the game-winning field goal. That's you know, it's so like I kind of felt both ways. In one sense, I look at it and they say the Ravens got a long way to go because their offense isn't anywhere close to these other teams. But then on the other side of the coin, I look at it and I say maybe the Ravens aren't that far off after all. Well, I think the Ravens are a classic team that could be seven and zero, or they could be zero and seven right now. I mean, you look at their wins. The Bills game was prob- was the most convincing win for sure. I mean, the defense just dominated throughout the day. The offense still didn't have a great day. They hit the one big touchdown to Mike Wallace. Um, but, I mean, you're down 20 points, 20 to nothing in Cleveland. Jacksonville threw a bad pick late in that game and had an, extra point, late, yeah. had an extra point or a field goal blocked. Um, so those could have been losses. And then you look at the Raiders game, like you're saying, and the Redskins games, those should have definitely both been wins. Giants could have definitely been a win. The Jets could, I mean, so the Ravens are a classic, could be 7-0, could be 0-7. That's kind of what I was saying at the beginning of the year. With, the Ravens had a lot of close losses last year. If you even split the difference, then they're a better team this year, and that's basically what they've done. I mean, when you play this many close games as the Ravens have done because they haven't been – good enough to separate from teams. You know, when they've gotten early leads in games, they haven't put their foot on the pedal. They haven't been good enough. They haven't played well enough to do that. So when you play close ga- this many close games, you're not going to win them all. And let's call a spade a spade. The Ravens offense and Joe Flacco haven't gotten it done late in games. They haven't done, gotten it done well enough, certainly. They got Justin Tucker in the field goal range barely for a 55-yarder in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, they haven't even gotten him in range when they've needed to. And they haven't scored touchdowns when they've needed to. So 
you know, they got to play better offensively and defensively. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely it goes on both sides. I mean, one thing that's nice about the bye is everybody a chance to get away, like we're talking about, or we talked about, and relax. And but now I'm starting to get fired up again. Yeah. Now I'm starting to talk about it, and I'm getting riled up. <laughs> and then the other part of it, too, for the coaches, they don't get as much time, you know, obviously as us to just completely pull away and forget about things. They're still grinding away in their offices over a lot of this week, of a lot of last week. And they, well, they had to figure out is why things aren't working and what we need to change in the second half, whether right. it's uh, lineup changes or scheme adjustments, different types of play calls within the game, all of that stuff. They are looking back through every play from the first half of the season to try to figure out what needs to change. So in your mind, what does need to change? Well, what would you like to see differently in the second half? Well, since I was burning the midnight oil here over the bottom, I know, I know really you were really grinding away. That's why I didn't, watch any, I didn't watch any live football, a lot of Ravens tape just burning <laughs> the midnight oil. Um, Here's my thing with the offense. I think that you obviously can't just abandon the passing game. I'm not throwing in the towel on that, and they need to be more precise because I think the offense in the passing game has a threefold problem. I think that the offensive line hasn't protected Joe well enough. I think when Joe has been protected, he's missed too many throws, and I don't think his targets have run the right routes, done the things that need to be done, and, and, you, and you've had too many penalties on offense. So it seems like you're adding in one, a fourth problem. One, yeah. Right, one of those four problems happen on almost every other play, and when you have so many of those issues to clean up, you're just not going to be good overall. Um, so especially on offense when everything has to be clicking to, to have success. Yeah. Um, so if to me what I want to see change is I think the passing game has a short rope for me. It, it's, it's on a short leash. Yeah. Uh, so you can't abandon it, but I think if, if things don't come out of the bye and you're not clicking and it's not precise coming out, I think this offense should evolve more into a running, running sets up the pass kind of offense. I think once you get Yonda, once you get Stanley back on that offensive line, you have a, an O-line that can get after it. And you kind of turn those guys loose a little bit. Let them block it up. And Terrence West has run the ball well. I'd like to see more Kenneth Dixon. I think he has a lot of potential. The, I'm not saying that you run the ball more than you pass. But I think this can be it can shift more of the focus onto the running game to help set up the pass. And let's be honest, the strength of the Ravens team this year is the defense. I think playing to that defense, grinding out some games, controlling the clock a little better, especially against a high-octane offense against Pittsburgh, might not be a bad call. You're kind of going with the old Woody Hayes model of uh, there's when you pass, there's three things that can happen, yeah. two, and two of them are bad. Yeah, exactly. So minimize t- the opportunity. We've seen too many of those two things so far. Yep, interception, incompletions, penalties, all of that has happened too much. I, don't th- I can't get on board with what you're saying, and – as we both know, neither of us are big run-first guys. Right. That, this is big of us to say, I would yeah. say. Um, but the other thing, and maybe this is to your point, I want to see a clear identity on offense because I think that what we have seen through these first seven games, you don't know what the offense is really going to be week to week. And part of the reason is there was a coordinator change in the middle of that, so that obviously makes right. things a little bit more complicated. But you come out in the beginning of the year and it's all these short passes. We want to do the dink and dunk, be quick and efficient, and that didn't really work. And then it's, okay, well, we need to have more of a commitment to the running game. They started running the ball a little bit better in there for a couple of weeks, and then they got away from it and only had, what, 11 yards of total rushing yards. Well, they changed it. I thought it was six, and then it went up to 11, right? I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, It's still a franchise low. Yeah, so then you totally get away from the running game and that loss to the Jets. So you just don't really know what the offensive identity is, especially. And then in those last couple games, it's, well, we want to take more deep shots now. So 
what my hope is, and I think that this is something that they went to work on, because the word I hear, heard more than anything else from Flacco and from Marty Morningweg last week was precision, 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 precision. Yes. And so they kind of drove home that message. And I think part of that is establishing, okay, what exactly do we want to be and what do we want this offense to look like? Uh, I don't know that I agree with that. I think it's more to my point um, in that, like, there's there consistently is one facet of the offense that's breaking down on, like, every play. You know, whether it's running, precision of route running, precision of passes need to be on the right target at the right time. I think some of that is just, and that's why I say I don't think the Ravens' offense is, is just, you know, a f- they're lost, that you throw in the towel, that they're done. They're not going to figure it out. I think they can because there's parts there that are good. It's just like one, it goes to find an identity. I think that's what it, a I don't lot know of it is. It's they as need, much an identity problem. They need to find an identity. What is, okay, can you explain what the Ravens' offensive identity is? Uh, no, I don't know that they have one, but I don't know. Thank that, you. I, but I don't think that that's the problem. Yeah, I think that you need to have some sort of a identity in terms of what you want to do consistently and be good at that. And I think that when we've seen this Ravens offense be good over the past however many years, they have had an identity. What was the identity under Kubiak? The identity under Kubiak was very clear. It was run the ball, establish the run, and use that to set up the pass. Play action pass works off of that. I mean, it was very clear. What was the identity in 2012? The identity there was also you wanted to use the running game to set up the pass. You had Ray Rice. And he was the most explosive offensive weapon that they had. And they used that to their advantage. And then they used an aerial downfield passing attack. So what should the, be, the identity be now? I think what the identity should be now is they still want to use now. I think it's more of a 2000, more of a 2012 as opposed to the 2014 where they're still, I think they're going to use the run to set up the pass. And I think that they should do more of that now. I think that. Do you agree with me? Uh, yeah, I agree with that point. And, it go, and, I, and like I also said, it goes back to finding an identity, and that's what they need to do. So thank you for agreeing with me. I hate to do that. I hate to do that. Garrett, why don't you tell a little story here? So getting ready to play story the Steelers time? on Sunday, and it's story time, yes. And uh, you went to an event with Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh. It was for the swabbing. Yeah. It was for Nestor's swabbing. Yeah, thing. the WNSC did this offseason. And, and Tomlin actually came to Baltimore, which I give him credit for. It's kind of a bold move to show up in Baltimore. What, did you think he was going to get eggs or something? I don't know. You never, you never know how fans are going to react, but he <laughs> was brave enough to show his face here in Baltimore, so I give him credit for that. But you threw eggs at his car when he pulled up. Oh, I slashed his tires, egged his car, <laughs> put it up on blocks. He wasn't getting out of here. Um, no, but I met him at this event, and uh, we did an interview with him, and uh, it was, we wanted it to be a fun thing, and I went to him, and I kind of set it up. Hey, I work for the Ravens, and we want this to be a fun interview. And he was like, oh, you work for the Ravens. He goes, they paying you enough? And I'm like, well, Mike's funny that you ask. <laughs> <laughs> What's enough? <laughs> Could always have more. And he says, oh, you know what? I'll give Ozzy a call. You know, I have no problem doing that. I'll give Ozzy a call right now because it's not my money. I don't care whose money it is. <laughs> and uh, he just was really nice, and I enjoyed the conversation with him. I think that, you know, I like the dynamic between Harbaugh and Tomlin. I think they're both more similar in a lot of ways than they are different. Um, and they both have they play into the rivalry, and uh, I I like Tomlin, and I think it, I've always enjoyed the interviews with him or the conference calls with him, but uh, I also I I like the 
edge that he brings to this game as well. Yeah. Do you like uh, when Tomlin stepped on the field in front of Jacoby Jones? Well, that goes back to the edge that he brings. To, he'll do anything <laughs> to win, man. Even if it involves stepping in the middle of the field to try to play, force the player out of bounds. He'll do it. That was so unreal. I will never forget the look, the grin on his face looking up at the scoreboards. It was so obvious. But then, but then he, like, all the, like, denials and the, like, I was looking up at the scoreboard and didn't see him come. That was just, oh, it was high. Just, just totally made up. <laughs> just a bunch of malarkey. Oh, God. I, there was part of me during that whole thing that was like, Tomlin, just, come on. Just come clean, dude. You knew exactly <laughs> what you were doing. Just come clean. Give me a break. That was an all-time classic moment in, these, in this rivalry. Oh, it really it was. was. It's up there with one of the... One of the best moments, I think. It was. A and Ravens great. ended up winning that game, so it all ended up. And we still put the little graphic on the video boards. For those listeners who don't get to come to a game, there's always a public service announcement uh, during every game that we <laughs> run that says, fans, you're not allowed to come onto the field. And it's a little kind of demonstration of, of Tomlin jumping on the field. So I'm sure that one will be played Sunday at MNC Bank I have Stadium. a hunch it will as well. Yeah. Isn't it crazy it's a 1 o'clock game? I mean, when's the last time the Ravens and Steelers played a 1 o'clock well, actually, I think the last time they played was a 1 o'clock game last year. So There was a 1 o'clock game last year? <laughs> it was week 16 last year. They played uh, a 1 well, o'clock game. Pro- did that get like flexed yeah, out of Yeah, I think it was the yeah. Mall- when Mallet played. Ugh. So, two straight. So, not that long ago. Uh, yeah. So, the last time they played was a 1 o'clock game. Mm. Go back, this goes back to the misinformation. No. <laughs> the, the better question is when's the last time, we should do some research on this, when's the last time there have been back-to-back Ravens-Steelers games that have been one o'clock games. That's a great question. Sure. Yeah, I bet it's a while. Yeah. Uh, do you think this rivalry is just as good as ever, by the way? This wasn't on no. the rundown. I'm just adding it. I don't think it is. Because you I think, think it's softened? Um, a little bit. I think that when, you know, last year the Ravens were 5-11, and 11, so there's a little bit of steam that comes out of, a wind that comes out of your sails as a result of that. I think that some of the main characters who have been in this, and everybody knows who, the, who those are, it's Ray and Ed and Heinz Ward. Uh, they're all gone, so I think that you lose a Nada. little bit of steam. Haloti. A little Mil- bit of steam Heath Miller's from that. now gone? Who? Heath Miller. Yeah. You know, and like the new guys who have come up in the rivalry, there's not doesn't Troy. seem to be as much bad blood. Like, I don't sense as much bad blood between like Antonio Brown and Jimmy Smith. Yeah. You know, that's not like a Ray Lewis, Heinz Ward situation. No. Or, so I think they've lost a little bit of that. And I also think that the bad blood, the feud between the Steelers and the Bengals has elevated so that you, you know, then it's a little tougher to get up for both games from a fan base standpoint. I still think it's one of the best, but I think that not quite as good as it was a couple of years ago, a few years ago. I would agree. It, well, in the Bengals, you have perfect, you know, and there's like more drama there. There's more of a storyline there because you have the villains. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, and they've met in the playoffs. I mean, when you don't meet in the playoffs, now they did, the Ravens and Steelers met in 2014, but the Bengals and Steelers have met they last past, year. Did they meet the year before no, that I too? I don't think so. But I agree. I think that now... It, it's almost like the rivalry Ravens Steelers is just as big as Ravens Bengals or Steelers Bengals. Uh, I would say they're on par. Mm-hmm. It used to be definitely Ravens Steelers. I think was the king, uh, but I don't know that that's been the case. And and Suggs is really the last remaining vestige of that rivalry, and that's why he's so fun. Why I'm so glad that he's not done for the season. And he's in the locker room because this week, 
I I look forward to the Suggs press conference on Steelers Week every single year. I'm sure he's he got makes a T-shirt. He's got a T-shirt that he's been holding out for this entire week, and he's got it you know, <laughs> packaged. He's ready to go. He's he wants to wear it, and he's going to make it fun. Yeah. So, so what do you think uh, about Ben? You think he's going to play? I've said all along I think he's going to play. He was practicing last week, so I think that he'll get out there and play. It's fun. It's so funny. Like we're probably going to be talking about this up and down through the entire week because there's been. Conflicting reports on whether or not he's going to play. It's a six-week injury, then it's a two-week injury, and then I'm back on the field ten days later. So my gut says that he's going to play. I know you think that he's not going to play. I think he's not going to play. Well, we have conflicting reports now. That's what I'm Schefter saying. Schefter says he's no. Yeah, and Lock Forest says yes. But yeah, I think that uh, I think Ben with Ben, it's always a show, man. Every time, it's just the drama of, is, how long is he going to be back? Ooh, he's back to practice. Oh, man. It's just, you can count on it every single year. There's going to be a soap opera around Ben and his injuries. And, oh, he, but he, he often returns comes out to the field plays. and grinds it out. No, he doesn't always return. He does not always return. I didn't say he always returns. I said he often returns. And you go back, and everyone says that Ben's always hurt. And he often is hurt. But you look at the number of games that he's missed. Look it up over the past few years, how many games he's missed in the season. It's not a lot. It's because he plays hurt because his injuries aren't as bad as he makes them seem. But sure, that's fine. But ha. then he still comes back and I plays. Said I said it. He still comes back and plays. I mean, this is a meniscus tear. That's not like it's a minor thing. So. And that's why I think he's actually going to miss this game. This isn't like, this isn't like you know, he rolls his ankle and then, oh, oh, and then like comes back in the fourth quarter, leads him to a game-winning drive. Oh, my God, Ben played on one leg. He rolled his ankle, all right? Let's simmer down a little bit. You know, he's getting carried by his lineman. <laughs> Throws a game-winning touchdown, limps off the field. No, scrambles for the game-winner, limps yeah. off the field, dragging one leg. You just have you, – you've had your heart broken too many times by Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, maybe so that's the case. You just are whining about him. Maybe that's the case. That's, that's the case. what it is. I mean, he's a good quarterback. I'll give him that. He's pretty good. <laughs> but I do think he's a little bit overdramatic with the injuries. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't think that you're alone in that. Uh, so Antonio Brown is a pretty good player. You remember when Mike Wallace came in and told the story with he and Webb and the, the, having to squash that with Antonio Brown? If you haven't listened to that podcast, you got to go back and check it out. Yeah, that's a teaser. Go back and listen to Mike Wallace's podcast. He had some good stuff about the Steelers going back to face his former team. Uh, so Antonio Brown... Would you shadow him with Jimmy? Would you not? What do you think? They have not really done that with Mike, or with Antonio Brown and Jimmy in the past, mm-hmm. and so I would. But, pro- but Leslie Frazier came out last week and basically said, like Jimmy's playing at a what top five level. What did he say? He said that he's having as fine of a season as a corner as anybody in the league. Right. So, so it's obvious that he's the Ravens' top option there. Yeah. But then I also asked the plan in terms of shadowing him more often with Antonio Brown, and they have done it a little bit. They did it with. Brandon Marshall, they did it with Sammy Watkins in week one. They did it a little bit with Terrell Pryor in the Browns game. I sense a pattern there in type of receiver. Exactly. That is what the difference is. Antonio Brown doesn't look anything like Brandon Marshall. He's more in the Odell Beckham kind of mold. And they didn't do it with Odell Beckham. Now, Jimmy didn't play the second half of that game, so they didn't even have an opportunity to do it there. But in the first half, they weren't shadowing him. So my gut says that they won't do it. They had Will Davis on him last year in Pittsburgh. And maybe Will Davis will be on him again this year a lot. You know, maybe Tavon Young. Tavon Young's been the bright spot in that secondary. He he might get that assignment a number of times. Now Jimmy's going to get it sometimes. Yeah. If he's not shadowing him, he'll still get him at times. But uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think that he's going to shadow. And Tavon Young, Leslie Frazier also had very high praise for him. Talked about him being one of the bright spots of the season. How he's been a pleasant surprise and all that. And he's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to keep Tavon Young as the outside corner. 
uh, that's the other opposite starter from Jimmy Smith. You know, it opened with the year of Sharice and Jimmy. I think Tavon Young has now won that job. I would agree with that, yeah. So you said you don't think they're going to do it. Would you have Jimmy Shadow? It's tempting, I know. I still probably would say no. They have so many good receivers. Even if you have Jimmy Shadow, him, I mean, Sammy Coates can beat you. Yeah. Marcus Wheaton, if he's healthy, I'm not sure if he's going to be healthy enough for this game. I mean, they have some options out there that I don't know that if you just eliminate Antonio that you have the game won. And And I'm not even saying that if you put Jimmy on Antonio that she's eliminating him. I don't think it it would. But, no, I, I don't think so. Because you have to change the whole defense. Dean Pease has talked about this. When you shadow, everything else changes. It affects the safeties. It affects everybody. So I don't know that it's worth worthwhile to do that. Yeah, and it also, you can't uh, disguise as much because you have mm-hmm. one guy just following somebody wherever he goes on yep. the field. So I'm with you. I probably wouldn't do it as tempting as the idea is. Antonio Brown is on my fantasy team. <laughs> so I'm in quite a pickle this week. Are you going to start him? That's the question. <laughs> So I, mean, I think start him. I think I have to, right? Well, you can tell Jimmy Smith or Tavon Young that. Oh, what do you think they'd say? <laughs> hey, Jimmy, I'm starting Antonio Brown this week. He probably would not care. He probably would just laugh. <laughs> He'd probably just laugh. He, he probably wouldn't care. We should ask Jimmy whether if he played fantasy football, would he start Antonio Brown this week? That, can, that would be a fun answer. We'll put you on that story. You can get to the bottom of that question. I think I might ask him that. Just at the end of why would he? Why would he say yes? He's essentially saying... Yes, I think this player is going to have a great game against me and this defense. Because he just, you know, Antonio Brown's a good player. And you've heard players before say, well, they're going to get theirs. You know, I mean, I'm going to stick to, you know, they're not going to get one catch for five yards. You would have Antonio Brown. You would have a Steeler as your first pick. I draw the line at Ben. I draw the line. I I won't own Ben on my team. It's different for a quarterback. It's not that different when his main target was your number one pick. I think the number one pick in the entire draft, right? No, no, number two. Okay. Who was number one? Gurley. Yeah, you took Antonio Brown with your very first pick. That tells the listeners a lot about you. Would you have taken him? No. I took yeah, Zeke. right. I took Zeke Elliott, and I'd do it again in a heartbeat. You took him after Antonio Brown was off the board. Yeah, and if I had the number two pick, so, I would have taken it, Zeke Elliott. You would have taken Zeke number two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Real easy to say. When you're not, that's why your team stinks too. That's why your team is not any good. I'm an honorable. And I'm a perennial juggernaut. Randy Minx is a perennial juggernaut in Cube World Fantasy. How many uh, championships have you won? Because this is about winners and losers. The number and my, looks a lot like a donut. Yeah. But I get to the my championship game. I am the Buffalo Bills of fantasy football. I get to the championship game every year. Just can't finish it off. There's winners and losers. And you're definitely a loser. And we're in the and same I'm close to being a category. <laughs> Well, for all you fantasy owners out there, uh, I think I think it's okay to start Antonio Brown this week. I'll give you a pass. I'll give you a pass. You know, fantasy football is a beast of its own. So, thank you so much for listening. I want to also make sure that listeners remember to write reviews and rate our podcast. And if you are going to leave a, a question or a review, why don't you just go ahead and record it on your iPhone or your your whatever smartphone you have? And email it to the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. We're going to start playing some audio listener files. questions. Yeah, yeah, audio files. We want to actually hear your voice because I have too much laughing gas, apparently. <laughs> so we need to turn that down here from you guys. So thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you later this week.